Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a fantastic returning guest. You know her, you love her, Miss Suzanne. You have been a guest on this show before, and I'm very excited that you are back with me today. So today we're going to talk about um, generational trauma and the trans agenda. And there has been so much interesting stuff coming out about that lately. So welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my dear? Thank you for having me back. I am doing good. I'm I'm so glad you're here with me today um, to talk about this. When we were on the show together last time, we decided we had to do um, another thing. So for listeners who don't know, what is generational trauma? Well, in my own experience, I have to say generally, generational trauma is repeating of cycles, whether it's verbal, physical abuse Mm -hmm. that gets passed down generation after generation. And many don't really realize it, you know, because most parents just did however they did, however their parents. That's that's just the way I was raised. (laughs) Like you turned out fine, you know, but really I think, you know, I don't think it was ever the right way because kids need to be seen and heard and many parents mm-hmm. you know if they're not healed then they basically pass down their triggers onto their kids without even really knowing it mm-hmm. and it gets then passed on again when their children start finding relationships because they end up seeking relationships that are similar to their how they're parented so it just mm-hmm. becomes this vicious cycle that unless you recognize the signs and say hey i don't want to continue this pattern mm-hmm. it's just going to continue now let me ask you this because you and i both uh went through this do you think the term generational trauma is a new a new terminology because like like what i went through in the past um when i was growing up i had no idea um that that was a thing that that's what it was called or you know like didn't give it a whole lot of thought I think it is fairly new because I started learning about this from a woman that I follow on social media, um, Dr. Nicole, the holistic psychologist, and she mm-hmm. would have would have these really great posts about it. And I'm like, what is what it is? What is this? You know? And so she put out a book um, about in the last year or so, and I went up went out and bought this book, and it really broke it down. I mean, but I think it's just a term term that is fairly new because I don't think there really ever was a name for it because nobody really understood it. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe the psychologist did, but you know, it's never really talked about. Well, one of the things, um, and I think like you said, a lot of parents don't realize, or a lot of people don't realize, uh, that that stuff is handed down and passed down and it shapes our behavior. Kind of like we talked about on the last show, um, that our behavior is, is shaped from birth. And so those are things that we internalize and remember and pass on to our children. Hopefully not. But like for people who don't understand, this is what we're talking about. 
things like, why can't you be fill in the blank? Why can't you be smart? Why can't you be more athletic? Why can't you be, um, you know, whatever, fill in the blank with that? Or why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be more like your sister? And so it's like right off the bat, like alienating your own offspring, you know, and, and basically putting them in a box at an early age to tell them they're not good enough. Why do you always have to cry? Why are you so emotional? Why this? Why that? It's like all these things that parents do that I don't even think most of them realize that they're doing. And I think a lot of it has to do with the language, like how you word it. So mm-hmm. one term or subject is shaming. So mm-hmm. saying like, you're what's fat. The mat- what's, what's the matter with you? What were you thinking? Like, what's wrong mm-hmm. with you? Like when, when a parent says that mm-hmm. the child actually internalizes it and says, there is something wrong with me, even though mm-hmm. like, instead of saying why I like to change the narrative and say, and narrate what's happening. I said, looks right. like you're having a hard time right now how can I help you instead of saying why would you do that like because it mm-hmm. makes the child feel you know less of him or herself and right they may not affect them right then and there but they your, your nervous system kind of makes a pattern or you know a mm-hmm. memory of that and then later on in life you're going to have these internal stories mm-hmm. to, to yourself you know like there's something wrong with me. Right. Like setting up the, setting up the case for uh, mental illness, right? That's the term that we like to, to put everything under uh, the label that we like to give everybody who, because of the way that they were raised or talked to or treated when they were younger, it makes people feel like they're unnecessarily broken. Like there's something definitely wrong with them. They're lacking in intelligence. They're lacking in love. Um, They're, you know, all of these things. And, and not only the way people come across with like anger, like you said, like, why did you do that? Or you're so stupid. I've heard a lot of parents say things like that, which just floors me, but also, um, parenting without any kind of love, I think is another thing that right. shapes, shapes your psyche, shapes your emotional response. And so those kind of things damage you un, unbeknownst to you. They damage you because what do you do when you grow up? You go through bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship because you you feel like you're unworthy of love. Right. Why doesn't anybody love me? Why can't I stay in a relationship? Why can't I be happy? Those kind of right. things. Yeah. And then most people will then go into those relationships thinking that that's a normal relationship mm-hmm. and they don't heal themselves or they seek out a partner that's similar that also hasn't healed him or herself. Mm-hmm. So then, then you end up having kids and you're not healed yourself. That's right. when it gets passed down. So with, with all of that happening and with, um, you know, it, it affecting you uh, emotionally, probably physically, because uh, you have all of these 
you know, I, I hate the word trigger, but you do have like emotional triggers that get buried deep down within your psyche that when you, when you grow as a child into, you know, your teens or young adults or whatever, and you haven't addressed these things, your behavior kind of like magnifies right. and you really have to like look inside and finally be like, you know what? I am worthy of love. I am good enough. Why am I feeling this way? Like what, what is causing this? Um, because a lot of times that makes for like a, like a gap in your personality, right? You're always right. searching for something to fill that gap. Um, and that's why a lot of people seek out like, or fall into these, you know, unhealthy relationships, whether it be with friends or significant others or whatever, because you're looking for somebody to basically val validate you and, and make you feel something. But unfortunately, yeah. when people do that, they're usually looking for the wrong, <clears throat> wrong things. <laughs> yeah. To fill you that become, void, yeah, you become people pleaser, you become a people mm -hmm. pleaser, mm -hmm. or they seek out a social media, you know. So, do you think, uh, yeah, that's one of my uh huge pet peeves is like people seeking validation on social media because one, you don't know these people from Adam, it could literally be a CIA agent in their bathroom, you know, <laughs> trolling people or whatever, and they're like, oh, you're so beautiful or you know whatever um so that is not like to me that is not the way to go about you should validate yourself first right you know stop believing the you know you're you're stupid you're ugly you're too fat you're too this you're too that you know and and be proud of the person that you are and be thankful for who you are and you can overcome and change those behaviors, you know, that your parents instilled in you, whether they knew what they were doing or not. Right. So how do you think people go about getting over stuff like that or think, changing that? I think they have to really look within themselves and part of it is the ego, just letting, because your ego is at play here, really. Mm -hmm. And the ego becomes really loud. And sometimes when it's really loud, it overpowers, you know, your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And somebody taught me to, to say, like, look at yourself in the mirror and say a mantra, which I actually say to my kids, my, my girls now, I say, you are loved. Mm -hmm. You're worthy and you're you are enough because you have to tell that to your inner child or your subconscious mind mm -hmm. because if it's been imprint if your subconscious mind has been imprinted with these negative feelings or negative thoughts mm -hmm. you basically have to reprogram and practice you know it's just like as a fitness professional i say like getting a lot of reps, building muscle, you know, like it's mm -hmm. the same thing with the mind because the mind right. can become really powerful. Mm -hmm. I, and I agree with that. And it's so beautiful that you use that analogy <clears throat> because I think for so many people, they, they think that it's really easy to overcome those things. And, you know, well, I'll just think positive about stuff. 
I don't know how you are, but for me, it took me like into late adulthood to understand that um, all of these things that I was feeling. And then I started looking back at my childhood and I'm like, you know what? I always heard, why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? Um, why aren't you as good as, you know, tennis as your sister? Uh, why don't you want to go into the military like your brother, you know, and all of these things. And it, it didn't hit me until, like I said, a late adulthood that I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's where that stuff came from. And thank God, like that, I had that realization before I had my daughter, you know, and in our household, it was like no affection, you know, no random hugs or I think you're great or anything like that. Like, I'm so proud of you. None of that stuff. Right. Same here. And so like when I had my daughter, I'm like, I am certainly not going to be that way. Like I've constantly, even now, and she's an adult, like constantly, you know, hugging on her and sending her a message all the time, telling her how wonderful I think she is. And, you know, things like that to like build that, you know, psyche into into her whether she realizes that or not I mean for me I didn't really realize until after I had my second child I mean mm -hmm. and I couldn't understand it after, when I was, first became a mom you know I'm like I found myself one time just yelling at my newborn like because she kept crying I couldn't figure out what she's crying I'm just yelling at her she's looking at me like why are you yelling at me okay, right <laughs> I wish I could <laughs> tell you but I can't speak yet <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how we do dumb shit like that <laughs> and and then later on i'm like okay now that probably wasn't the smartest thing where did that come from <laughs> and i grew up with parents that always you know made made me or more so than my brother but made us responsible for their feelings like mm -hmm. i'm you're you're the reason why we're late or you you know right i you know and like I'm so like frustrated because you haven't gotten this, you know, it's just, it's mm -hmm. ridiculous because they're not responsible for your feelings and to put that much burden on them, mm -hmm. they hold that burden over their heads their entire lives. Right. Absolutely. And, it, and it, there again, like they carry that into adulthood and they think, you know, it, it forms this, this part of their personality where they have to, people please and and think about everybody else's feelings and what how they you know speak and act and whatever is going to affect other people and that's the culture that we seem to be living in nowadays right. where you have to worry about everyone else and what they think and feel and stuff but you know and I say this all the time but it is so true um, if something I say offends another person, that's a them problem, right. not a me problem, because there's something inside of that person that they need to deal with personally on, you know, on their own time to figure out why what I said was so triggering for them. Right. 
and that's a great example because I know you know from my reel that went viral about you know cutting ties with my family mm -hmm. a lot of people that like thanked me for speaking up because they couldn't speak speak up for themselves regarding it but then I had a lot right. of people that were very triggered mm -hmm. and said this seems to be a trend like why are you cutting why are people cutting ties with their family you know a lot of them the comments are coming from grandparents that are old mm -hmm. school and they're like right you know they're blaming me because i'm you know like <laughs> it's kind of like, and and i saw a lot of this stuff and it was like you're being selfish no you're not being selfish you are a parent and your sole job is to protect and nurture your children and when there's outside forces and i don't give a shit if it is your parents if it's your friends if it's toxic it's got to go right so i'm sorry about the hate but you know it's one of those things where it ruffled some feathers that needed to be ruffled right. because maybe after they got so butthurt and triggered, maybe it made them introspectively look at themselves and be like, oh, well, holy cow, look at what I have done. Look at the way I talk to my family. Look at the way I, you know, respond to things. And it's no different than, you know, friendship circles or whatever. If you're constantly reacting out of um, emotion, there's something that that you need to fix internally because and I have a <laughs> a friend that you know he has a podcast too and one of the things that I heard on his show was you know I had to like sit back and reevaluate because he's like I was walking down the street and I got so emotional and irritated at this person that spoke to me that I didn't even know. Okay. Where is that coming from? And, and why did some, you know, something irritate you because someone said hi to you. Right. That's kind of strange, but it, that's the, that's the daily life, you know, and if <clears throat> the way you react and the way that you handle situations should always be a lesson to use for the next time right. that occurs, like, how can I respond to that situation better? Or what can I have done different? Or could I have had more patience? Or uh, could I have shown more compassion or, or love in that situation? Like, why am I responding with anger and irritation? Right. So do, did you, um, like, when you were... I know you talked about like yelling at your baby or whatever and like expecting like the baby's going to tell you, I'm really mad because I pooped my pants. Um, so do you, did you find that when you were first trying to uh, change that generational behavior, did you find yourself going through that same kind of thing where you're like kind of almost having a discussion with yourself? Like, what the hell did I do that for? I Why did I the, say that? Yeah, I think the, um, the light bulb moment happened during a big meltdown for my older daughter. She's more, um, 
she's I would say she's more on empaths similar mm -hmm. to me she has she's very highly sensitive to a lot of things since she was baby because of the trauma that she went through mm -hmm. and she was having this really big meltdown and I found myself then crying with her and like got mm -hmm. on the floor and then I realized like it, it wasn't me as a mom sitting on the floor it was me as a child mm -hmm. and it went I went through like a whole tidal wave of emotions from like sadness to rage to frustration to anger like I couldn't pinpoint and I found myself just like cocooning myself like rocking myself to try to mm -hmm. calm myself down because I couldn't help calm my daughter down mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do. And so that's when I started researching and going, taking all these different parenting courses of like gentle parenting and conscious parenting. And it was mind blowing that because my parents didn't teach me how to regulate my own emotions. I didn't know how Same. to regulate, help my child regulate her own emotions. Mm -hmm. And she's looking for my help, but I made it worse by then yelling at her for having emotions. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny how we do that as, as human beings, because I can tell you that I was the same kind of thing. Like, you know, it's something, and, and I've shared this before. So listeners know, but like I was raped as a child and I, I told my parents, well, I told my mom and it was like, stop it. We don't discuss things like that and like brushed it under the rug. And so I'm struggling with a trauma and I have all these emotions and I'm like hurt and I'm, you know, sad and I have all these things going on. And it was like, that's it. I don't want to hear anymore. Put it away. And so, so then you, down. yeah. And then you store up those things and whatever. And so it is a big thing for, for parents moving forward to be able to not only realize what your own emotions are and be able to process those, but then in turn learn, like you said, how to help your child through things. Yeah. And when I, I think I actually started getting triggered when my, my first daughter was born simply because my mom was telling me how to do certain things and I didn't feel comfortable. Like it just had a parent, had a parent. And I'm like, no, you know, she was having her do things that I didn't feel comfortable. And I, mm -hmm. when I try to set a boundary with my mom saying, we're doing it this way, you know, you can, disagree with it but this is mm -hmm. how we're going to do it and she actually would get mad and like um offended mm -hmm. and then she would then turn it around on me and make me feel like i was a bad person you're a bad mom because <laughs> you're not doing the things that she said you should do right mm -hmm. so there again it's that whole generational thing and how you how you deal with things because uh news bulletin for people that aren't aware of this but there are countless ways to do the same thing and get the same outcome. And just because you're set in your way with doing something one way, it might work better for someone else to do it a completely different path, but you still get a good outcome. And, and so I know, I know what you're saying because my parents were the same way. It was like, you shouldn't do this or you should only do it this way or whatever. And they would get so mad at me. And then it would be like trashing me 
as a parent right. for doing things the way that I feel like they need to be done. Because they're in their minds, like, we're the parents. You never parented anybody. We have, but mm -hmm. aren't we all learning? Like but how did that work <laughs> out? <laughs> I want to share a funny story. So when my daughter was like four months, my older daughter was four months old and we were out at a restaurant with my parents eating and she had gotten her first two teeth in. And my mom hands her this, the menu, which is paper. My husband's like, I wouldn't do that. She got her first teeth and she might take a bite out of that. She's like, oh no, she's fine. And she's letting her play with it. You turn around, there's a big chunk of the menu, like missing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, see, like, mm -hmm. you don't want to listen to us. And that's the thing is, you know, or, or they were raised like so completely differently. So I remember like the teething, and they're like, well, give her a spoon to chew on. And I'm like, a spoon? I'm like, that's got to cut her gums. Like, what are you talking about? And it's just stuff like that where it's like your ideas are so different. Like, I would rather, you know, and I'm not saying I did this, but, you know, anything other than a spoon, I would rather let her chew on my pinky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> After I wash my hands, um, then then let her chew on a piece of metal Right. or it's like, you know, like a lot of kids when they're teething, try to chew on um like pieces of furniture, like coffee tables and stuff like that. And they'll gnaw on wood. And there are some parents that will continue to let their children do that. Do you want to let your kids eat splinters? Well, that's what, that's what we've always done. It's worked for all of our kids. So, you know, that's why the table looks like it does. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> they're not a beaver. They're a baby. <laughs> Sorry, I had to share that because <laughs> I did. I we we had friends that, um, you know, like they they did. They had a coffee table, and I swear it looked like a a festival of beavers had just like <laughs> chewed all over this table, and the legs and the rungs and the edges and the whole nine yards. And and that's when I find out that they let their all of their children teeth on the table, and I'm like. I wanted to go, are you retarded? Because <laughs> I feel like you're retarded. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't say that. I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> Probably shouldn't do that anymore. So do you, do you think um, with generational trauma and with the, um, like creating those pockets and those voids of, you know, um, attention and compassion and love and, you know, all of those things. Um, I kind of feel like it creates um, not just the need to fit in, right? And the need to be accepted and the need to be a part of a group and the need to be loved and all that. But I kind of see it like um, a seeking ad on like Craigslist. Yeah. Like desperately seeking, uh, you know, relationship or, you know, acceptance or, or whatever. That's the way that I see all of this, which I think really, really, really lays the groundwork for all of the crazy yes. 
that's in our society right now. Yeah. Because there's, there are the terms that mother wound and father wound, meaning that if your father didn't validate you or, you know, mm-hmm. didn't let you be seen or heard, or you didn't have a, the relationship you wanted with your father or mother, then you go in life seeking relationship or attention on social mm-hmm. media. And then you find a relationship that, you know, probably like you find, I hate to say this word, but like the women that, that find like a beta male <laughs> that mm-hmm. will give them the attention that they want. And right. that's a lot of the fathers we are seeing that are, their kids are wanting or supposedly transitioning mm-hmm. because they're, it's, it's a kind of, it's like a reverse of what a traditional parent relationship mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And so they were, the, the mother, I, I see this a lot more in the mothers than the fathers really, but a lot of the mothers are seeking validation on social media. And because this being trans is somewhat popular now, mm-hmm. I actually saw a video today of a mom who had, who has um, autism, it was clear that she had autism as a child and she was showing the video that she was, was wearing headphones because loud noises like bothered her. And then, mm-hmm. then she's showing her twin girls wanting to be who they wanted to be. So they went to go get a haircut to become a boy and she, everything, the way she was saying was like, I feel so good. I feel like, but it had nothing about what their kids are feeling was she was using the, her own like mm-hmm. feelings of it. So, her own internalization of, right. you know, like, and that could be another one of those things. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be more like your brother? Oh, you yeah. know, and when you, when you have that repetitive um, saying or thing in your life, a lot of people internalize that and that's where they get, oh, well, I was born a girl, but why can't I be more like my brother? So now I'm going to be like my brother. And this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so that's why I think a lot of this is, is playing out, you know, in the uh, trans arena and stuff like that. And not only that, but bringing forth like deviancy. Right. Um, and and glorifying devi- deviancy like uh and debauchery like it's some sort of idol to worship mm-hmm. and i have such a problem with that I, I, like if you are listening to the show and you're gay or trans or whatever that is your business that is between you and and your creator but i have a problem pushing that onto the general population as acceptance and you have to call me by my preferred pronouns because if you're don't you don't respect me here's the thing for me and my husband and I just had this fantastic conversation about this if you give in to that you are saying that you do not believe in God. You don't believe in the creator because God created man and woman with specific, very separate, very different DNA. 
So if you are, well, I'll just go with the flow and they want to be called they, them, or she, her, or, you know, whatever, and you're not, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to say that because I am not going to go against God's creation. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm in, I'm com complete agreement with you. But then it also goes back to the whole people pleasing. Like you're doing it because you just, you don't want to, you want to feel accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, um, one of the things, you know, as far as the, <clears throat> excuse me, about the biblical thing, um, this is a fantastic article that my friend just sent me right before the show, which was funny because this is literally the conversation that my husband and I both had, but it's from Reformation 21, the number 21.org. And it's a blog post that says why I no longer use transgender pronouns and why you shouldn't either. Yeah. This was written by somebody that was an LBGTQ activist for a very long time, considered their self transgender, considered their self Christian. And then they had the realization that um, and I want to I want to read some of these. I'm not reading the article. I'm just reading why they feel that this is a problem. Using transgendered pronouns is a sin against the ninth commandment and encourages people to sin against the tenth. Okay, so the ninth commandment for people who do not know, um, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So by accepting and telling this person that you will accept them as a female when they're a man, Dylan Mulvaney. Um, yeah. You are going against, you know, one of God's commandments. And so the 10th commandment is you shall not covet. This is important to me because um, I saw an article the other day from a doctor. Okay. And I was so deeply disturbed by it because uh, she said that vagina women um, overreact and become um, emotionally uh, like off-putting while giving birth because you're not thinking of or being inclusive of penis women. Oh. Now, first of all, there's no penis women. There's male and female. And second of all, birth fucking hurts and you will never know because you're a dude. Right. Just saying. So graphic as that may be, offensive as that may be to some people, that is the God's honest truth. And so this whole, we have to play pretend and everybody on the planet has to pretend that you know, you're okay with it, that you will go along with it. You'll call them a tree if that's what they want to be called. You're not a tree. You will never be a tree because you were born as a human. Okay. Just like a man is never going to be a woman just because you say you are. That's not going to happen. You're, it's not in your DNA. Okay. Plain and simple. So anyway, that was my little rant for that part. So anyway, it says... Using transgendered pronouns as a sins against the creation ordinance, again, 
God created man and woman uh, and for very specific reasons. Using transgender pronouns as a sin against image bearing. What did I say earlier? Idol worship. And so you have to idolize them <clears throat> just, and this is no different than idolizing BLM or Antifa or whatever. You will bow down and you will fear them and you will do everything they say because they said so. Yeah. I have a problem with that. Using transgendered pronouns discourages a believer's progressive sanctification and falsifies the gospel. That is so true. It is frightening. Um, it cheapens redemption and tramples on the blood of Christ, which is extremely true. Um, it fails to love thy neighbor as myself, fails to offer genuine Christian hospitality, and instead yields definition of hospitality to liberal communitarianism, identity politics, and human flourishing. I thought that was good. I'm almost done. <laughs> um, isn't an uh, okay. Anyway, that was it. But, you know, the regardless, the Bible says that sin is sin. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if, like, going back to the general, generational trauma, um, telling somebody they're not good enough, telling them not worthy. You are worthy because you were made in God's image, right? Right, yeah. And so... Uh, we are all his children, but it's not, it's not acceptable, you know, by, by any means to, to play pretend and dress up. And to me, like a lot of this is fetish based. Yeah. And I say that because, um, having had a lot of knowledge in the past of the fetish world, it is very like there's a group of men that like to wear pantyhose. There's men that like to wear lingerie. You still have men with full bushy beards that put on a wig and makeup and say they're a girl. Yeah. Um, no. It's dress up. So how do you feel about what I said? Somebody's made a comment to me because I think mm -hmm. I had a post about um, drag shows and why, you know, they're not appropriate for kids. Mm -hmm. And I had so many people comment saying that drag shows have been around forever or even they, they cite, you know, examples like, look at, you know, kids are watching, we were watching Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm like, but it's not the same. And drag it's shows, not, to me, it was always like adult entertainment. Right. And and never in the history of my life, uh, and I am old, have I ever known adults to take their kids to that. It, to me, it's no different than, okay, so if we're going to give in to all this debauchery and it's okay for... Uh, kids to see your wiener flopping around during a, you know, drag pole dancing strip club performance, basically at an elementary school, then it's no different. 
if we decide we're going to have a bunch of seniors from the nursing home uh, come in uh, naked and dance for you uh, at IBM. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's things that are just inappropriate. And there's like the books in school. Uh, you you ban books on Christianity or you ban books on, you know, certain um, historical events, historical figures, things like that. But it's OK to have books uh, accessible by kindergartners teaching them how to give anal sex right. or or uh, suck off an adult. <laughs> Right. Sorry, that's graphic too, but that's what's going on right now. I mean, I've seen some of these pages, some of these books that people share, and it's appalling to me. Disturbing, deeply, deeply disturbing. And so for me, um, when my husband and I were in, in this deep, you know, discussion about things, one of the things that people as a whole, like to say that this is all mental illness, you know, and I brought up that before the whole mental illness thing. But what I think it is, um, is a satanic inversion of what our morals, values, and belief in God represents. Because <clears throat> if we can fool you into believing that you're a different gender, if we can fool you into believing that it's okay to, you know, uh, show off your penis to a bunch of children or, you know, uh, have random sexual encounters, break up the home, let the state control the children instead of the parents, the parents can't give permission or don't need to know that that we're talking their children into transitioning and taking life altering medications. Um, To me, it's just a satanic inversion. And so it's never more apparent to me than it is now that, that Satan is actually walking the planet. Yeah. That's what I think this is. Uh, Um fitness colleague of mine that I used, <clears throat> excuse me, I used to be close with. She, we've lost contact. And I think because she's probably seen some of my posts now because she had a post. Because <laughs> you don't hold back. No. <laughs> <laughs> she shared a post in her story saying like drag shows are not the problem. Gun, gun control or school mm-hmm. shootings are the problem. Like, so what she's basically saying is that she doesn't see anything. Pro- she has two young kids, one that's just about the same age as my older daughter. And the second one is about the same age as my younger daughter. So she has no problem with drag shows of what's, I don't know if she currently knows what currently is happening in drag shows, or she just has this false, you know, illusion of what, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm glad you brought that up. Because have you ever heard of the Young Turks? Mm-mm. Okay, the Young Turks is basically like a uh, socialist movement. You know, started out a long time ago. Anyway, they're it's basically like a disruptive thing. 
kind of like Antifa. <clears throat> well, on their show the other day, and the, the main person is a guy named Sink Unger. And anyway, they were talking about gun reform the other day because, you know, we got to push gun reform after all of these incidents, which, by the way, five of the last six shootings were from transgender people. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Keep that in mind. So on the show the other day, he tells all of his listeners that we should ban guns for everyone in the United States except for transsexuals because they need the guns to protect themselves. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> now, going back to what I said about five of the last six shootings were from uh, trans people. And you want to heavily arm them, but take away everyone else's. Right. The hypocrisy is just stunning. Yeah. So here's another little ditty for people that aren't aware that this is going on under your nose while all these shootings and shit from trans community is happening. Um, in Congress right now, in the House of Representatives, uh, and this is on its second go-round through the House, uh, we have a lovely piece of legislation called the Trans Bill of Rights. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, which is aiming to make trans people a protected class of citizens. First off, before we get into this, I want to know what rights trans people don't have that everyone else does. Do you know? No. Okay. Not that I know. Me neither. <laughs> There's not a single one. So they are all equal. We are all equal. Uh, the you know, Constitution and Bill of Rights applies to everybody that lives here. You know, and so, but we're going to make them a special protected class. Um, it provides a comprehensive policy framework to provide protections for transgender or non-binary people, ensuring that everyone has the op opportunity to thrive regardless of gender or identity expression. And the statement uh, about it claims that it would achieve equal opportunity for the trans community by providing legal protections for all people, inclusive curriculum in schools. So they're trying to mandate this expanded access to gender affirming care. So your taxpayer dollars are going to be forced to transition your own children because the school is not going to. You don't have permission as a parent to, to know these things. Um, banning uh, conversion therapy, utilizing civil rights laws to enforce these policies. So every business in the United States is going to have to have a bathroom that will uh, provide any gender to go in um, or any man can go in any woman's restroom if they say they're a man. Um, if you use 
you don't agree with their ideology, uses any kind of uh, speech to voice your opinion that they don't like, um, you don't hire someone because the man comes to work in a dress, uh, the whole nine yards, you will be prosecuted and they'll be protected. Which is interesting because even with all this gun you know, uh, crimes and stuff lately, if, if they're even happening, that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Um, but, uh, like here in Tennessee, of course we had the one, you know, at the Christian school. And so the, um, who was it? Miley Cyrus, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Miley Cyrus. Was coming to do a concert and all proceeds would go to, was it the families of the victims? Nope. No. It was going to trans rights groups. Yeah. I saw that. So, um, and especially with the Young Turks calling for everyone in America to not have a gun unless you're trans. And then this stupid law that they're trying to cram through Congress, um, which affects everybody, whether you want to talk about trans rights, whether you don't want to talk about trans rights, it's too touchy of a subject, whatever the case may be. um, They are getting the ball rolling and it will literally affect every single working person in the United States. Because your tax dollars are going to fund the education. They're going to fund the transition surgeries. They're going to fund the medications, uh, the hormone replacement therapies, uh, the puberty blockers, literally everything. Uh, The bathrooms, every single place that you ever go, all of it is going to include everyone. My problem is, is that why can't they, why can't the trans people have their own bathroom? Why did, mm-hmm. why does that encroach on? But why, and I've had this argument in the past with multiple people that are like pro LGBTQ and, and whatever, and we have to have our own bathroom and we demand blah, blah, blah. Okay. So here again, you're demanding every business on the face of the planet to your will so you're demanding that that business has to spend money to accommodate your sexual perversion I mean that's what it is that's exactly what it is I mean so why 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 is that okay Uh, why why do we have to accommodate you because you decided that you needed your own bathroom or you need to, you know, the, it has to stop somewhere like the men and women sports, what they're doing is erasing women from society completely because you're not a mother. uh, You're a birthing person. You are not breastfeeding. You're chest feeding. Right. Because we have to make it so it's inclusive for people who got their feelings hurt. That is not the way shit works. 
I got to share a funny story, and this has nothing to do with this, per se. But I'm going to tell you why I had to share it. <clears throat> so, um, in Blue Ash, Ohio, last year, um, which is just now coming out now, this woman went into Target and put a whole bunch of shit in her cart. She had over $1,000 worth of items in her cart. <clears throat> when she got up to the register, she refused to pay for it. And she was going to take it for reparations. <laughs> and so, the, of course, the, you know, the store clerk was like, uh, yeah, we don't do that here. And no, you have to pay this your total. And so this lady demanded that, sh that this employee get the store manager. So the store manager comes over and she's like, I'm not paying for this. And the store manager is like, okay, well, you can leave then. And she's like, no, you're going to give me this because I'm entitled to it. You owe me reparations. Now, back in the days of slavery, it was Target a thing? No. <clears throat> so... Anyway, this woman gets more and more violent. She backs the manager of the store into an office and is like threatening her life because she's not getting her way. So a security guard from the store comes over and this lady is still like belligerent and screaming and being just batshit nuts. So the security guard punches her in the face oh. and I'm sorry but I got a chuckle out of this because I thought well how I'm not an advocate of violence but stuff like that would put a stop to the whiny crybabiness that I yeah. see now where it's like you have to call me whatever made up word is today or you have to let me come in your bathroom or you have to whatever you have to accept you know that we're indoctrinating your kids you have to accept that i'm talking to your six-year-old about sex if that happened more if the security guard situation happened more in our society i think the crazy would go away yeah, I agree. I just had to share that because I got such a chuckle. I was like, first of all, Target wasn't around when slavery was going on. None of these people were alive when that was happening. So I thought it was humorous from the get-go. And then I was like, okay, well, you're going to demand from somebody else something that you think you're entitled to. Kind of in the fuck around and find out category. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> <coughs> I'm so sorry. So, anyway. What do you think is the solution to this stuff? Well, I wanted to bring up another point in regards to the puberty blockers and... Mm -hmm. um, thing is, is that puberty is hard it's mm -hmm. very uncomfortable mm -hmm. and all of us that went through it can understand that mm -hmm. 
But then it brings up another point where it correlates is that if our, if we are parents that are parenting littles right now Mm -hmm. and our child is having uncomfortable feelings, our child is having uncomfortable feelings. And if we're, if we are uncomfortable with their uncomfortable feelings, most parents right now would either hand them an iPad Mm -hmm. or give them something to stop. Put them in front of the TV. Put them in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. give them the candy that they wanted or whatever it was, mm-hmm. but it's temporary. It doesn't, it's a bandaid. It's a bandaid. And then the next time it's something else and something else. Mm-hmm. So if a child is now going through puberty and then they're having uncomfortable feelings because you didn't resolve it, it when they were younger, you didn't ha- help them help, learn to help them deal with. And it could be basic when you're a baby like, or a toddler. Mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable with being bored. I'm uncomfortable with having to wait or, you know, things that may seem basic to us, but very uncomfortable for them because it's the first time they're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have the tools to, or most parents didn't have it because their parents didn't teach them. So it's that generational mm-hmm. trauma again. Right. So they're trying to help. They can't help them. So now you didn't, res- you didn't, res- um, address it then and now they're going through puberty now they're uncomfortable with how they're feeling in their own body and so the most logical thing is like okay well let's just stop puberty and let's you know you know what i mean it's to me pacifying pacifying them mm-hmm. yeah but the problem is is that you're creating irreversible damage damage mm-hmm. that's you know um my husband was telling me this. He was listening to some uh, podcast or something where transgenderism actually started a long time ago, like especially during the time of Mao. I mm-hmm. think it was Mao's like right hand man or one person below was working underneath him. Mm-hmm. They were trying to transition for the this particular army. I forgot the name of the army now. I have to ask him what he, which what was the name of it. But they were trying to transition women to men and then and then men to women. And they were more successful transitioning men to women versus women to men because mm-hmm. women couldn't handle the t- testosterone mm-hmm. for this army. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing a lot of stories right now of women that are detransitioning because mm-hmm. some of the changes of the, all the testosterone is really hard on their bodies, joints, and not only the fact that you know you can't get your breasts back. And you, mm-hmm. you're now infertile because you can't have babies. Mm-hmm. They don't think about these things. They want to help their child in the moment. Right. But they don't pacify them and codify them with, you know, whatever, because somebody told them right. you would be more accepted. Um, and, and oh, like everyone, you know, let's have transgender story time. Let's, let's talk about everybody being transgender and whatever. And so they're, they're placing those thoughts in impressionable, moldable minds. And then the parents are codifying them, not realizing and not researching what kind of damage these things do. Yeah. Um, there is a, uh, person on Instagram that transitioned to a male and went through the puberty blockers and the whole nine yards. And he is literally always sick. 
Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it affects your digestion. It affects your nervous system. It, you know, it affects your hormones, your temperature regulation, literally everything, because what are you doing? You're fucking with God's perfect DNA, right? Because women are not meant to take high levels of testosterone. We have a balance for a reason. Um, and men are not supposed to be taking high levels of estrogen. Right. And when you reverse that, you mess up literally every system in the body um, and all of the hormones and all of the hormone receptors and literally your entire endocrine system um, will be affected when you take puberty blockers. But parents don't care. They don't look. It's it's easier to to tell, you know, your son, James, that it's OK for him uh, to turn into Janice because it's easier than than sitting down with them and having a conversation about biology and, you know, <clears throat> why they were created as a boy and the whole nine yards. I mean, it's easier to go yeah. with the current than go against the grain. Yeah. And another example, going back to our talk from last time, is that women are already going through hormonal changes after birth, mm -hmm. going through structural changes in, in regards to like the rib cage, the mm -hmm. pelvis, right. pelvic floor. And I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with my hormones right now. And it, I can't even imagine these kids, these females that are transitioning. So mm -hmm. if you're transitioning from female to male, you're wearing chest binders. What mm -hmm. is it doing in terms of compression to your Exactly. I'm having a hard time. I'm I'm already I was feeling compressed after giving birth and then I'm trying to create more expansion. Now you're actually mm -hmm. purposely compressing. Mm -hmm. Well and and the beautiful thing about uh the human creation is that everything is put where it's supposed to be and where it needs to be. And the chest binders are no different than women who wear like the gut sucker right. underwear, yeah. because what you are doing, you're internally moving and crunching your organs together in places that they're not supposed to be, which causes all kinds of problems with, you know, digestion and bowels and, or even people that wear like, the really tight corsets all yeah. the time, you're hindering your ability for your diaphragm to expand yeah. and, and let your lungs like expand as they need to and breathe. And so when you're giving somebody to chemically alter, you know, and then adding these things on top of it, because if you think you're going to go in and just have your parts changed, um, without having to wear any kind of, you know, binder or, you know, protective undergarment or anything like that, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. You bring up a good point because um, when you brought up the, the corset, mm -hmm. when I was in junior high, I, this is going back to this generational trauma again. Um, mm -hmm. My parents restricted me from eating a lot of like chocolates and I, that was my like 
fixation. So I would, when I had enough money to buy my own things after school, I would go to the local Walgreens and buy like bags and bags of Hershey's miniature chocolates. And I would sneak them in, hide them in my closet. And after school, I would go up into my room and I would start binging them. What ended up happening was I gained a ton of weight because I was always a skinny kid growing mm-hmm. up. And all of a sudden I gained this weight. And my mom's like, what's going on with you? She put me on a fad diet. Mm-hmm. She didn't really understand what was happening. And I didn't know at the time mm-hmm. I'm looking when me in my thirties, looking back on this, I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> I just ate 50 pounds of chocolate. Yeah. So I gained Go me. my mom, you know, like growing up and they came here from like communist China. So like everything mm-hmm. was about perception, you know, mm-hmm. thinness and like, don't build any muscle. Don't go stop going to those group fitness classes. You're building muscle muscles like a man like your legs mm-hmm. are looking like a man no they're my calves mm-hmm. <laughs> um so she made me go on this like she put me on slim fast if anybody remembers slim fast oh yeah <laughs> she put me on this like that liquid diet where you just drink soup and eat watermelon and then like you know um and what ended up happening was i lost my period mm-hmm. my period stopped and then she couldn't figure it out so she took me to the doctor the doctor tried giving me a, a pap smear but i never had sex so i'm like this is painful don't stick this right <laughs> those are not not uh, pleasant even after you've had lots of them <laughs> and so then the doctor's like well i'm gonna give you um birth control and i was like no i'm not she's not going on birth control because that, that means she's gonna have sex I'm like mom so they gave me some sort of hormones um to help regulate it. and my mm-hmm. period never came back and i was always obsessing about the 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 scale my weight on the scale because of that Mm -hmm. and i bought one of those like waist um slimmers Mm -hmm. and i was always focused on sucking my tummy in because i couldn't let my belly protrude and then i go to college and of course you know freshman 15 i gained the freshman 15 because i lived in the dorms i was like oh it's a open buffet like and eat as much as i want because i was restricted for so long and, and it's I, all processed <laughs> food <laughs> but i get my period back mm-hmm. and then like i was in the the college gym like you know going on the stairmaster for hours on end and then in my early late 20s early 30s early 30s when i was um, getting more into group fitness and uh, strength training i started leaking Mm-hmm. when I sneezed I'm like why am I leaking and then mm-hmm. I had my first birthday I had traumatic birth you know forcep delivery ended up having prolapse but I think the issues already happened when I was compressing everything so if anybody uh-huh. is not familiar with the pelvic floor think of your pelvic floor as like a canister a pop or a tube of toothpaste so from the top of your diaphragm to the bottom of your pelvic floor forms this canister Mm-hmm. and includes all your organs and everything. So if you're squeezing and you're sucking your tummy in from the middle, so imagine if you're squeezing the middle of a tube of toothpaste or crushing a soda pop can, mm-hmm. where is everything? Where is that pressure going to go? It either has to come down. And so that's what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. So if you're mm-hmm. compressing, compressing your abs with a corset or you're compressing your chest with a chest binder Mm -hmm. you're creating structural damage that's going to affect you whether you may not realize it or not a hundred thousand percent and that's what you know we're so we're a country of vainness right 
and image is everything and you have to fit into again societal norms societal labels everyone has to be skinny um and so for a long time like these kind of products were sold to women uh you know like the even pantyhose that have like control top or Space. whatever it it uh, yeah spanks all oh, those are lovely they have spanks jeans now too oh, so you gosh. can damage your leg muscles um but these are things that people don't think about that affect literally either currently or down the road and will cause problems we saw so many females that had like uh prolapses of different kinds because that was a common thing for them to wear the, you know, super tight gut sucker underwear or the waist cinchers, uh, you know, the corsets, things like that. Because, you know, we were told we all have to be slim and everyone has to, you know, keep with this image. And so that's what happened. And so it's kind of like what they're doing nowadays only on steroids. You right. have to, you know, take these puberty blockers and you have to do this and you have to do that, which is causing irreparable damage to your system. I mean, people that go through the transition process, take the hormones, uh, take the puberty blockers, whatever. There are so many people that are detransitioning now and sharing their stories about how they vomit constantly. Uh, they have like bowel leakage or seepage. Yeah. They can't control those. Um, they can't control their urinary system. They're, they're weak. Uh, their muscles hurt. They're achy all the time. There's blood clots everywhere. You know, all of this stuff. And it's just because people don't do research and they would rather pacify and codify not only their kids, but basically everyone else's kids. Yeah. It's okay for, for you to, to tell somebody else that they should let their kids be whatever they want. Um why don't you let the kids decide when they're old enough and they haven't gone through indoctrination? How about take them out of the mainstream schools? Um, if that's the kind of education that they're getting, let them grow up and let them make up their own mind what they want to be instead of you molding them into what you think they want to be. Uh, because how many young kids do you know that have their futures figured out by the time they're six or 12. I mean, I know people that are in their forties that still don't have their life figured out. <laughs> I mean, you bring know. up a good point because the crucial time is from when they're born to age seven, when, when they're, mm -hmm. when they're figuring out like relationships, how relationships, relationships are being formed around them, how people interact mm -hmm. with each other. Their brain isn't completely formed until age 25. So you're right. expecting them to understand they're still they're learning how to walk as babies mm -hmm. from crawling and rolling, learning how to use the potty, learning mm -hmm. how to read. And then, then you're trying to insert gender and try to confuse them even more by mm -hmm. introducing a very complex 
topic that their brain has no capacity. Absolutely none. And even, like I said, even adults that don't have that brain capacity or the critical thinking skills, you know, in their 20s, their 30s, even their 40s. I mean, there's people older than that (laughs) that still don't have the capacity to understand the effects and the long-term damage that these things cause. Yeah. And then the, going back to the transitioning, if they get the lower or the bottom surgery, they're creating cuts Mm -hmm. in their genitals. Scar tissue. Scar tissue. That's Mm -hmm. pelvic floor stuff that women go through after birth. And then now you want, Mm -hmm. you're creating this problem that doesn't even have to be there. Mm -hmm. So in other words, in graphic terms, okay. Uh, women, a lot of times after birth, because your, your pelvic muscles are weakened. Um, and so you can't control your bladder when you sneeze or laugh or cough or whatever, and you'll pee your pants, uh, out of nowhere for no reason. Um, or it's sometimes even if you bend over, there's a lot of patients that are so weakened that just bending or moving or getting up from the couch, they'll pee themselves. There's also women that have the weakened floor muscles that uh, have problems with their bowels and incontinence all the time. So we love our children so much that at six years old, we're going to put them through the exact same thing, causing the scar tissue, causing the weakening of the pelvic floor muscles, which boys and girls both have pelvic floor muscles. Um, so we're going to give them those problems at six, like they need more to worry about. Right. And all they really need to worry about is like, can I just enjoy my childhood? Because mm-hmm. then can I go play. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said earlier, to me, this is an inversionary tactic to get everyone to give up their morals, their values, their beliefs um, to pacify basically or or get everyone on a wide scale to accept, you know, what the Tavistock Institute started long, long ago implementing. And like you said, even, you know, um, in foreign wars, foreign countries, they've done research into uh, trans stuff for decades. So this, this, the idea of trans is not new, but there are also countries that are, that force people to do this because <coughs> homosexuality is a crime in a lot of these countries. So uh, you can either die by firing squad or we can transition you. You can be a male um, or female or whatever, and then you can serve in the military. Yeah. True story. I mean, I so, mean, in China, when there was that one child policy, when you can only have a boy, and if it was a girl, they would either kill her. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing mm-hmm. some parents may have gone through some drastic mm-hmm. situations. Right. right. Yeah. So I don't know, but for me, like I, I just, the whole thing is, is frightening to me and they will never, I don't care what kind of laws they pass. 
but they are never going to get me to to put you know pronouns in my profile and call somebody else by pronouns and and whatever and you didn't gender me properly and how do you keep up with like 172 different gender identities now <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> I, I just i don't know you're a boy or you're a girl and that's it there's there's no uh <laughs> there, there's no other thing for me so you can do what you want to do in your private uh time but yeah, I don't have to accept it because there again, it's a you problem, not a me problem. But don't you think this deviancy is also because a lot of the celebrities and politicians and elites are deviants by nature? A hundred percent. I mean, and if you and most of them worship Satan. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there again, the inversion thing. And so what's what's right is wrong what's up is down you know the whole as above so below thing only inversely done and so you know this is this is not a new tactic by any means you know and it's more in our face <laughs> yeah and so uh you know like everything they do is is that way and oh my gosh this is probably gonna like pee in somebody's tea leaves but um like we were created right and we ate off of the earth uh and so over time it's like well you know what these people are so dumb uh let's create some species that uh aren't on the planet and let's Let's create some, uh, you know, bugs. Let's give everybody bug meat. Let's let's make uh, chimeras that are human slash pig, whatever. And these people are so dumb that if we tell them to eat it, they'll eat it. Yeah. This is what's going to pee in some Wheaties. Uh, the whole vegan movement. Oh, yeah. You can't eat, you can't eat meat. Because uh, it's not healthy for you. And so um, you shouldn't eat uh, stuff that's already on the planet that you've been eating for a very long time. Because you need animal protein. Um, yeah. <laughs> so don't eat that. Eat vegan. It's the same kind of tactics behind the, like all of the time. It's like. We're so dumb and so gullible because they know we're lazy. Uh, they know people won't research or look stuff up or educate or learn from themselves for themselves. And so it's like they can literally tell us to do anything. And there are some people that are so dumb. If they said jump off a cliff, they would do it. Well, I mean, look Sorry, at the last I said three. So dumb. I meant that, though. Well, look at the last three years, though, right? Mm -hmm. This is like the next... Mm -hmm. And so this, this, this whole agenda is another test or turning point for humanity. Yeah. Um, which is what they do all the time. It's like, see how far they can push us to get us to do things that they want us to do. Um, 
see how easily we will comply because this world is like a giant psychology experiment. And I implore people, if you've never looked up psychology experiments that have been done on people throughout history, you really need to go look into that. But that's what this is. They're pushing to see how far they can go and get away with stuff. Because if something this disturbing and this big and affects so many people on so many different levels, if they can push us into accepting all of this, what else they can push us right. into? Because the last experiment didn't, not everybody fell for it. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. There's more coming. <laughs> trust me. There's plenty more because, uh, Okay, so what was it on the 11th, I think, 10th? Biden signed for all of that emergency stuff to go away. Right, yeah. And then the very next day, um, their administration is asking for $5 billion taxpayer investment um, to fund more COVID vaccines and medications after you just ended everything. Hmm. Second round coming? Obviously, because Fauci's been on TV saying there's going to be another, yeah, yeah. another thing hit. So, <laughs> The never-ending story. But that's what it is. That's all of this. And same thing with the nether wave of, you know, sickness. And it was fungus a couple weeks ago. And it's bird flu now and whatever. It's, whatever happened to monkeypox? I forgot. Um, that went away because people were like, I call bullshit um, right off the bat. And so then, like I said, they brought that the fungus thing in. And so people were like, oh, bullshit, because there was just a. I don't know, HBO or some series, something about, you know, it was like the, the last of us or something. And it was a show all about this infective fungus that turned people into like plant zombies or some shit, <laughs> you know, and then we've got the bird flu and I, I don't know, there's going to be so many things coming, but it's just to test your will and resolve to, resist because that's that's all they're really doing is just psychology experiments on us well but you the key word here is resist right yes your child mm -hmm. is supposed to resist you mm -hmm. and it's your job as a parent to hold a hard but safe boundary and a lot of these mm -hmm. parents are not right they're, not, they're they're a child needs you to resist so they know how to resist as an adult a hundred percent letting them and it's and it's your job as a parent to install instill morals and values and and love into your children and that is so important and so lacking in today's society because another experiment they made you know has to be a two-income household uh so both parents are at work, both parents get home late, somebody's got to make dinner, then you're so tired, you don't want to pay any attention to your kids. Right. 
that was done on purpose. Yeah. And people fell for it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyways, my dear, thank you for joining me. Tell everybody again where they can find you at. They can find me on Instagram. My handle is movement.wellness.mama. Awesome. And what is it? Do you have a website? Um, it's in progress. So eventually nice. I will. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to that, my dear. But anyway, thank you so much for joining me again today. Thanks for, for having another me. episode. And, you know, if I, if we peed in people's Wheaties today for telling like it is, then obviously it's a you problem, not a me problem. <laughs> but I love you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so for me and Suzanne, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>